KCRW sponsors include Make It Universal and Rotten Tomatoes, presenting Scene on the Screen with Jacqueline Coley, a new podcast about the people at NBC Universal and the movies that define them. Available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You're listening to KCRW. I'm Madeline Brand. It's been merely a week, but the movie stork has dropped off four newborns, and we have two critics here to slap them on the butt and see if they're alive. Alice. <laughs> Allison Wilmore is film critic for New York Magazine and Vulture. Tim Gerson is senior U.S. critic for Screen International and the author of This Is How You Make a Movie. Hi, you guys. Hello. Hey. All right. Let us start with the most serious and thought-provoking of this week's movies, and it is Jonathan Glazer's film about a Nazi commandant and his family who live right next to a concentration camp, and this movie is called The Zone of Interest. Allison, in that clip, children are talking about the wonderful, heartfelt memories they made on a vacation at the house of the Commandant Rudolf Haas. And Haas, in real life, he was a Commandant at Auschwitz. He introduced the gas Zyklon B into the gas chambers. Anyway, it seems like an interesting way to approach the Holocaust in a movie. What is this film about? Well, I, I do think it is one of the best movies of the year, but it is also an incredibly difficult movie to watch, which I think is unsurprising and not necessarily for the reasons you might expect. You know, the zone of interest never goes into Auschwitz to kind of show us what's happening there. Instead, we just hear it because the the camp is like literally backing onto the garden of this dream house that, you know, these two characters have have built for themselves. And so as they go about their day-to-day lives, you hear these terrible things coming from across the, the the fence that no one seems to acknowledge. It is just a movie about uh, the banality of evil. Sure, you've got you know mm-hmm. th- these two people going about their their marriage and their lives, but it is also about this kind of compartmentalization that is so outlandish that even other people who come to visit, you know, struggle with it. You know, I, I think it's it's easy for us sometimes to think of, of, of kind of historical atrocities as distant and unimaginable. And instead it really grounds it in these like petty little ambitions and bourgeois aspirations of these characters' lives in a way that is really remarkable. Mm. And Tim, she, uh, Sandra Huller, who, the actress who plays the wife of Rudolf Hoss, is uh, getting a lot of praise for another role that she was in recently, a French film, Anatomy of a Fall. Tell us about her and her role in this movie. Yes, and both films actually premiered at Cannes. Anatomy of a Fall won the Palme d'Or. The Zone of Interest got the Grand Prix, which is essentially second prize at the festival. Um, she's remarkable in both. She plays a woman who essentially is disappointed in her husband because he is going to be transferred to another department, essentially, and they're going to have to move. And she doesn't want to move because she likes their house so much. This is not a question of a woman who has any sort of moral problem with what her husband does for a living. Her unhappiness in the film is well, we've built this beautiful house and I've made this great garden for myself. Can't you talk to Hitler? Maybe maybe you can talk to Hitler and you can stay here. It's not a movie that's very violent or graphic. It's more about creating a sense of how do we all compartmentalize and rationalize the things that we do? This family is the worst example of that. But I think we all do these things in our lives. The movie, I think, also calls into question 
how we also do that in our own lives. Zone of Interest in theaters beginning tonight. Next up, a satire with some comedy and romance, American Fiction. It stars Jeffrey Wright as a frustrated black novelist who struggles to stay relevant in literary circles because he resists writing about more tragic aspects of the black experience. These books have nothing to do with African-American studies. They're just literature. The, The blackest thing about this one is the ink. I don't decide what sections the books go in, and no one here does. That's how chain stores work. All right, Tim, this movie also stars Issa Rae, Erica Alexander, and Sterling K. Brown, written and directed by Cord Jefferson and adapted from a book by the L.A.-based novelist Percival Everett. What did you think of this? I think it's good. I think it starts really strongly. I don't know if it connects all the things it wants to do. It's a pretty ambitious uh, first feature from Cord Jefferson. There are two things going on simultaneously. One is that Jeffrey Wright's character, Monk, who is a successful novelist, but has been frustrated recently in his career because his recent books have been rejected because they're, in quotes, not black enough, which really, really offends him because he feels like the books that are selling well are very exploitative and also sort of peddle a poverty porn depiction of a certain type of black life. So to prove a point, he writes a novel that is the most offensive in that way in terms of the themes that bother him that other authors are more successful with. Well, the joke ends up being on him because that book that he writes under a pseudonym because becomes super, super, super successful. The other strand in this movie is that he goes back home to Boston to take care and to visit his mother, who is older and ailing. Um, there's some sort of family issues that he has to deal with. And while he's back home, he meets one of his neighbors, played by Erica Alexander, and they begin a relationship. In some ways, I actually like the more domestic drama, romantic drama that develops once he gets back to Boston. Sterling K. Brown plays Jeffrey Wright, sort of this strange brother. They have a difficult relationship. And that aspect of the film, I think, ends up being stronger. It's not a perfect film, but it's a strong film, and I definitely recommend it. Allison? I like this movie a little bit more than Tim does. I do think it's it's strong. I think I'm a little fonder of the satirical aspects than Tim is. I think they work a little better, but I would say this is also a film that is a satire about white liberalism, particularly in the publishing industry, but also beyond that. You know, it has, I think, some, some good and I, I, I think, like, very accurate jokes about what it means to be in a world that is controlled by people who mean very well, but also are nevertheless the ones in charge and nevertheless feel comfortable kind of putting their ideas about your own identity on, on you, <laughs> to your face, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I, it really, it, it gets some good laughs out of that. Um, but it, the other thing that I think it does is that for all that this is a film about a character who really wants to see, you know, uh, Black art and depictions of Black characters outside of this, you know, really narrow idea of of Black suffering and Black oppression. Um, The the film is itself kind of a a stealth drama that does exactly that. It is 
you know, about these these upper middle class characters who are maybe in this moment of downward mobility. It is about adult siblings trying to figure out what their lives and relationships look like as their parents you know, are, are, are getting older and maybe going to pass. Um, it has some great interactions with uh, Tracy Ellis Ross as, as the a sister, Sterling K. Brown as a brother who has um, come out later in life and is really going through some things. It's got some terrific performances and the ways those characters interact, really warm and lovely. Um, I, I, some, some great performances in there. American Fiction is out in select theaters today. There's another Roald Dahl adaptation out, this time a prequel of Willy Wonka's chocolate tycoon life called Wonka. It stars Timothy Chalamet and Hugh Grant as a... I will have you know that I am a perfectly respectable size for an Oompa Loompa. An Oompa what now? Allow me to refresh your memory. Oh, I don't think I want to hear that. Too late. I've started dancing now. Once we've started, we can't stop. Uh, Allison... I can't really wrap my mind around Hugh Grant being an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> Tell us about this movie. Yeah, you know, Wonka asks you to wrap your head around a lot that seems, I think, challenging. It is a Willy Wonka prequel, which is not necessarily something I think the world was crying out for. It is a musical, which is something that has been a bit downplayed in some of the trailers. I will say this movie won me over more than I expected. It it follows young Willy Wonka as he sets out uh, to uh, this kind of generic European city to try and fulfill, you know, start his fortunes, uh, fulfill his dreams as a magical chocolate maker. And uh, he instead runs, uh, runs afoul of a chocolate cartel made up of the three most powerful chocolatiers in town and also ends up in this kind of indentured servitude uh, run by this landlady who's running a scam who is played uh, by the great Olivia Coleman, who's very funny in the movie. Uh, and so he ends up being forced to do laundry for a while, making some friends there and eventually, of course, succeeding in selling magical chocolates to this town. Um, I was mostly won over by the fact that this is a film that was directed by Paul King, who uh, made the Paddington films, you know, which are two films that are widely beloved, I think, for good reason. It also has an incredible cast of character actors and comedians. Hugh Grant, in particular, I think is delightful as an Oompa Loompa, as improbable as that cast is he's just so kind of grumpy <laughs> and straight faced. So um, I, I I do think Timothy Chalamet is maybe the weakest part of the film in that I feel like he can't quite commit to the abandon that is required of a fantasy musical. But that said, I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to. And Tim, what about you? Did you enjoy this version of Wonka? I did. I agree with Allison. I'm not sure I was clamoring for a uh, origin story for Wonka, but at least it's not a dark, gritty origin story reboot kind of thing. I mean, I think that the two things that make it most similar to Paul King's earlier films is that Wonka, as played by Timothy Chalamet, is very Paddington-esque in terms of him being this sort of uh, indomitable optimist who believes in the goodness of people. And I like Chalamet in this. I think what's most interesting is that it is a film that essentially positions Wonka as the scrappy underdog with a dream going up against the mean, evil uh, corporations that don't want Wonka 
uh, muscling in on their chocolate territory. And yet this is a movie that comes out through Warner Brothers that wants to make a series of sequels from this. It's very much a movie that is about setting up a franchise, setting up a series. And there's something kind of cynical about that. But I think for the most part, Paul King gets around that by not making it as franchisey and prequely as these types of movies tend to be. All right. Wonka out in some theaters today, officially starting tomorrow. Finally, a familiar franchise back to remind you that all those Chick-fil-A and McDonald's nuggets come at a price. It's called Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget. There's something strange about this place. Behold, the dawn of the nugget. Last time we broke out of a chicken farm. Well, this time, we're breaking in. Tim, this is a sequel to the first chicken run from, wow, 23 years ago, the year 2000. That was a huge hit. And how is this one, given that there was such a a generational gap between the original and this, such a long time? I it brings me no joy to say that I think this movie is not nearly as good as the first one. I find it kind of disappointing. I think that the jokes just aren't as consistently clever in this movie. I think the animation by Ardman, which I've always loved, their stop motion, uh, handmade animation is still very charming. But I just feel like the the jokes, the premise, the idea of them breaking in to a factory farm to rescue Rocky's daughter, as opposed to the original film, which is sort of a spoof on like the great escape and those kinds of POW war films. I thought that concept was more uh, better executed in the first film. This one to me is a little more strained. It's just not as funny. It's not as clever for me. It was kind of a disappointment. Oh, that's a disappointment. Allison, what did you think? I will agree. It's not as good as the first one, but I, I still enjoyed it. I think even if you're running through some of the same gags as before, they're pretty good gags. I love the just the general kind of handcraftedness of this animation and just the wild Britishness of uh, the the kind of sensibility of Ardman. Uh, I do think that one thing that this film gets at that I appreciated is that it it kind of tries to deal with what happens when you have a child who you're you know you're intent on giving her a safer, better life than the one you had, and how you kind of balance that with the fact that maybe you are then uh, coddling your you know. Your child off from the world instead. And I, I, I think that the film engages with those ideas with um, Ginger and Rocky's daughter, Molly, uh, in, a, in a way that I appreciated. But yeah, it is, it, it kind of doesn't quite do the POW thing in the same way. It has a bit of like a dystopian sci fi vibe in terms of this new chicken farm that maybe wasn't as charming. Uh, that said, I still loved seeing these characters. I love the design of the chickens. I love just the kind of texture of the clay and their little clay foreheads. Uh, Arvin <laughs> never stopped with the little clay foreheads. I love it. I'm just amazed at the technique and all of the work that goes into making a claymation movie when, you know, computers could do it more easily, but there's something about the clay. Absolutely. It just, it feels more alive. Yeah, exactly. Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget, streaming on Netflix beginning tomorrow. And that does it for this week's new releases. Allison Wilmore is film critic for New York Magazine and Vulture. Tim Gerson, senior U.S. critic for Screen International and the author of the book, This Is How You Make a Movie. Thank you both. Thank you. you. 
KCRW sponsors include Make It Universal and Rotten Tomatoes, presenting Scene on the Screen with Jacqueline Coley, a new podcast about the people at NBC Universal and the movies that define them. Available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.